Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Welcome home to everyone in the room and for you guys online as well. It now is Christmas season. It's December, so all of you psychopaths that put your decorations up in October and November, and if my sister's watching, you know I'm speaking to you, Jill. Uh, but there are many more of you that are slightly unhinged, that you had your decorations up as soon as Halloween things came down. Yes, you know I'm talking to you. But uh, I think in, in all of that, you've probably peaked a bit early in your preparation. We are in the season of Advent. And as, as Austin said last week, Advent simply means coming. And I thought Austin did an incredible job last week of unpacking the theme of hope so well. Giving context within the prequel. Because the prequel adds to the story, talking about the Old Testament and paving the way for Jesus. Showing that because God has been faithful in the past, he will also be faithful in the future. And we can confidently place our hope in him. And so, as we continue in this theme of Advent, this looks very precarious here. We light our second candle, hopefully without incident. Austin managed to do it last week, but he only had one candle to light. I have two. There we go. I don't know if you've ever used Advent candles and used the wreath before, but the wreath has significant meaning. And the wreath, the evergreen, the evergreenness of the wreath speaks of God's unchanging love for us. And I think many people just need to hear that again this morning. It speaks of God's unchanging love. There may have been a time when you felt God's love. Maybe for one or two of you in this room, you don't necessarily feel God's love. And in the society that we live in, Feeling is everything. Because we don't necessarily feel God's love all the time, maybe we think God doesn't love us, but looking at this symbol, the evergreenness of the wreath, the evergreenness of our trees, speaks of God's unchanging love. And the circle speaks of the eternity of God. God was at the beginning, before the beginning, and will be into eternity. That's why Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity. God has placed something of himself in our hearts. And so eternity reaches out and we find God in the eternal. Next week, you may have wondered what the, uh, what the different colors mean. And I'm actually going to leave that to Paul as he speaks next week and looks at a different theme. But he'll unpack a bit what the colors mean mean of us, but for us. But the Advent season not only points to a date where we celebrate the birth of Christ, but it also points forward to his return. So we have two elements during Advent that we think about. We think about remembrance and we think about expectation. 
celebration and anticipation. And as we, as we as a team looked at the different ways that Advent has done, we sort of came upon the one that sits with us and the one that we have taken, the four themes of Advent, which are hope, preparation, love, and joy. And today our theme is preparation. This week I got my snowboard waxed, I got the edges sharpened, I bought a new snowboard jacket, I'm ready to go. I bought new goggles as well. So I am prepped and ready to go. As soon as there is enough snow, I don't care if it's within a car's drive for me to get there and back within a day, I'm gone. Can someone just check the snow reports because I might have to leave early today? But there is a preparation, isn't there? And that's what we're talking about today. Will you stand with me as we pray together? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as we come together, we, we listen with open ears, open minds, and open hearts. And I pray for those that need to experience something of you today. God, I pray that that will have already begun as we worship together. I pray for those that don't know you, both in the room and online. And God, I pray, Lord, that you, that you will show yourself either through the intellect or through the heart and emotions, God, that you will show yourself to them and they, in turn, will open themselves up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? So, how's your preparation going for Christmas? Have you, have you got everything ready for that one day you know, you spend hours wrapping presents, don't you? And as a, as a parent, you spend hours and hours and hours getting everything beautiful. As men, we try and we, we throw the gift into a piece of paper, hoping that it will all come together nicely, and we then throw some sticky tape on it, and then our wives redo it properly later. Maybe I'm being a bit disingenuous to some of you who know how to wrap whatever shape it is. But we actually put a lot of hard work into, and then in five minutes, paper is everywhere, cardboard is everywhere, sticky tape has been thrown to the ceiling, and all that time that we spent preparing just suddenly is gone. And then we spend hours preparing the meat and preparing the vegetables. We're trying to work out what the traditions are over here, because obviously we've got to build new traditions in Canada. And we spend a lot of time preparing those vegetables, preparing the meat, preparing the stuffing, the gravy, the Yorkshire puddings. Thank you, Jesus, for Yorkshire puddings. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him and prepares Yorkshire puddings <laughs> shall not perish. I'm just moving away from where the lightning's going to strike. You spend all that time getting, trying to get all the, all the vegetables and the trimmings and everything just right, all the right temperature, and then it's demolished in 10 minutes. 
And Christmas is so beautifully fulfilling, yet so weird. And for many people, tough. I know people in this room are preparing their hearts and emotions for experiencing Christmas for the first time without someone who would have been sat around the table. And thinking about how am I gonna how am I gonna survive this Christmas without that person? Whether it's a parent or a, an in-law or a child or a partner. So for some people it can be tough and dealing with the loss, dealing with financial difficulties. Maybe for one or two of you, you're thinking, I'm alone at Christmas. What am I gonna do? Can I say no one needs to be alone at Christmas, not if you're part of a community. And I think we as a church should be able to say, let's, let's open up homes, let's, let's come together and, and help each other experience a Christmas that is worth the preparation. So maybe you need to begin, we need to begin to think about, can we open up our home for someone else? If, you're, if you know you're going to be alone, let us know. We, we don't know if we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. But can we open up our homes and our hearts to each other? Because that's what's called being church. There's so much of a build-up for Christmas. I, I actually intend to get an early start on Christmas, and I think I started last night. I, not on the presents or ordering of presents, just on the overeating. Big steak last night, lots of veggies, beautiful like almost mushy, but still holding form of roast potatoes. I love them. And we give presents and we receive presents and so magical. But as I said, it's slightly weird as well. We, we eat those foods that we don't eat at any other time of year. Those little green fart bombs that we call sprouts. I don't know if you do it over here, but we have, we have bread sauce, liquid bread. Who'd have thought that liquid bread could be appetizing? We eat a chicken-like meat that doesn't taste as good as chicken, and so we have to cover it in some form of jam to make it taste better. But, but, we do get to eat pork covered in pork. There is nothing better than pigs in blankets. But for all its weirdness, we love Christmas, don't we? And then we get to have a massive clear out of all the rubbish later. I don't know where all those little Christmas cracker gifts go. Maybe that's what the landfill sites are made up of. There's not actually rubbish. It's just Christmas cracker rubbish that uh, is filling up and causing climate change. But I do wonder if our preparation has been a bit like these boxes, beautifully wrapped, they look great, and someone has spent time and effort making them look pretty. They look enticing, and they add to what's going on. But here's the problem. They're empty. They are empty. See, each of these boxes had a purpose, and I bet they didn't think, you know what? I want to be beautifully wrapped, but be of no use to anyone. Each of these boxes has a purpose, and that purpose is to contain something. You see, they were prepared to contain something. They were made, designed, and purposed to contain something. And Christmas 
can be like these boxes. So beautifully wrapped, so well prepared, so enticing, so well done, but yet empty. Christmas can be all show and no substance. What I want to ask us today, are we preparing for the right thing at Christmas? Because our preparation is about presents. No, not these presents, but the presence of the King of Kings. The presence of Jesus. The presence of God. Let me read Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5. The verse that you saw coming up on the Star Wars beginning, which I love so much. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley. I can't, I can't read that without thinking of the song. Every valley. I won't go on. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Prepare the way. We all prepare. We all prepare. But the question is, what are we prepared for? What or who are we, be, are we preparing for? See, thing is, I think as we look around, generally the world that we live in doesn't have a problem with the concept of God. Yes, there are atheists who don't believe in anything, anything that is more intelligent than they are. But most of the world, most of our friends, most of the society doesn't have a problem with God, small g. The problem often for us as Christians is which God do we present to the world around us? Do we present the God that is Santa Claus or the Grinch, because that seems to be the perceived choices of the world. Santa Claus just gives anything. Pray to God, put the money in the slot machine, pull the handle, and yes, everything falls out. Or the Grinch. Hate, hate, hate. Move. See, sometimes that's the God that we present to the world. So in our season of life, in our season of Advent, are we preparing for the right thing? <laughs> I'm not just talking about Christmas, you see. Are we hunkering down for the latest conspiracy or maybe not even preparing for anything? The Jews, the children of Israel were prepared for the Messiah, but they didn't know what the Messiah was actually coming to do. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for someone to come into their world. But you see, they were looking for someone that was going to bring freedom from an oppressive dictatorial government. But actually what they got was someone who came to free them from their sins. Not to change governmental structure. Not to legislate for a new world order or a new society order, but to bring change to our own hearts. There was no call to take up arms. There was no vote. There was no online petition to change anything. 
Jesus came to change here, not here. There was a call to love your enemy. There was a call to love your neighbor, even when your neighbor is least like you are. So which Jesus are we preparing for, church? Matthew 20. Matthew 1, sorry, 20 to 23 says this. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. I want you to remember that. We know that. I want you to give him the name Jesus. That's who we know him as. Because he will save his people from their sins. After all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through, through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel. But I thought he was called Jesus. Yes, that's his name. Emmanuel is a, a descriptive word, an epithet. So if you think of words or names like Richard the Lionheart, Catherine the Great, William the Conqueror, star-crossed lovers, the piano man, the cable guy. Emmanuel is not so much a name, more of a job description. Not just a name, but God with us. Not just at, at special events, not just at special seasons of life, not just in the tough times or the great times. See, God is not just for Christmas. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never Will I leave you? Never will I forsake you. Can I read that again for maybe some of you that need to hear that? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's interesting that that comes after the call to be content with what we have. I love the fact that Paul says, I've learned to be content. That means when you learn something, there is a period where you don't know what you're about to learn. Are you with me on this? You don't know it. Yet you go from not knowing it to learning it to doing it. And Paul said, I've, I've learned to be content. I've been in a place where I haven't been content with a lot and I haven't been content with a little. And I've learned the process. God is saying, learn to be content with what you have because those things that you're seeking... Those things that you're grasping at, those things that you clamor after, they are not going to fill your life. They are like the empty presence. They may look great on the outside. They may be wrapped well. But the thing that's going to fill your life, the thing that, that calls out to you through eternity is Jesus. And he said, never will I leave you. Never will I seek you. They can't be crushed like an empty box. He cannot be crushed like an empty box. A relationship that fills what material possessions cannot. 
That's also said at least five times in the Old Testament. God wants us down through history to make sure that we know this. He will never leave us. He'll always be there. He died to protect us. Wow. Never will I leave you. Why don't you take a look at this clip right now? All right, All right my man. No problem. No Give me five. Give me five. Just put out your hand like this. Come put on. out your hand like this. Come on. All right. Now hit me. All right. Give now me hit five. me. Give thing. me five. Do the same thing. Do the same All thing. All right. All right. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, um, that's good. That's up good. High, um, high. Up high. Up high. Five low. Five low. <laughs> Too slow. Too slow. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Let's try it one more time. Let's try it one more time. Watching John with watching the John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear, was suddenly so clear. the Terminator, the would, Terminator never would never stop, would never leave, it him. would never leave him, and it would never hurt him, and it would never hurt never him. Shout at him, never shout at him, or get drunk and hit him, or say it was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be, it there. would always be there, and it would die, and it would die to protect him. All the would-be of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, over the years this, this thing, machine, this machine, was the only one who, measured, only up. One who measured up. In an insane world, in an insane world, it was the sanest choice. Was the sanest choice. I love how movies can sometimes capture just a small essence of truth that's contained in the Bible. He'll never leave. He'll die to protect you. See, James Cameron here with the Terminator is just saying what the Bible said 2,000 years ago. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. In an insane world, which is pretty much what we're living in in the moment. Every, everything is causing us, everything is telling us to turn against each other. Everything is saying, blame that person, blame that group. They are the problem. In an insane world, it's the sanest choice. Emmanuel, God with us, he will never leave us. Don't allow the empty boxes that look enticing and may sparkly distract us with what they could, should contain. Because the one who will never leave us died to protect us. It seems strange talking about a death of someone when we're about to celebrate his birth. Stephen Covey, in his one of the, one of the best-selling leadership, management, whatever you want to call it, books, of the last 30 years or so, said, begin with the end in mind. You see, Jesus began with the end in mind. He knew what he came to do. Do we know what Christmas is about? Yes, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, but we're celebrating because he came to do something significant for us here in our world. The one who will never leave us died to protect us. 
And we are preparing, not for empty boxes, for the presence of the Most High God. Today is making sure that we are preparing for the right thing. Actually, preparing for the right person. We're not preparing for Santa Claus, nor are we preparing for Grinch. We are preparing for God with us. A new hope built on the promises of God. Romans 8 says this, 35 to 39, Who shall separate us from the love of God shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of the sword. As it is written, For you, for your sake, we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What are you facing today? Are you facing grief and loss? Are you facing financial hardship? Are you facing mental health problems, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts? What are you facing? Major life decisions. Which job shall I take? No, in all of these things. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Have you ever thought what that means? How can you be more than a conqueror? I don't, don't understand it. Surely if you're a conqueror, you're a conqueror and that's it. That's the top. No, no, no. You see, being more than a conqueror means someone that gains the battle but didn't have to fight the battle. That's what more than a conqueror is. We don't fight this battle. We are not David fighting Goliath. We like to have those pictures. And yes, I guess it's a good analogy at times, fighting some of our battles. But... You see, David went out to fight Goliath on behalf of the Israelites. We are, if you want to think of it this way, we're sat back. And David has fought the battle, killed Goliath for us. That makes us more than conquerors. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to what? Separate us. There is nothing that can separate us. Do you know what we allow mostly to separate us from the love of God? Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. That's the second time I've sung today inflicted hardship on you just by doing that. We allow our feelings to separate us from the love of God. What feelings tell us, I can't feel the presence of God, therefore I will step back into the shadows. I'll step out of that place of truth where I know God is, and I'll step further and further back into the shadows because I can't feel God. Do you know what? It doesn't matter if I close my eyes. Is the light still shining? Is the light still shining? 
Of course it is. Just because I cannot see the light does not mean to say it is not there. Just because we cannot feel the presence and the love of God does not mean it is not there. Are we preparing for the presence of God? Are we ready for the presence of God? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If you, if I, or when I, when you, it's not an if, because there will be times when we don't feel it, feel the presence of God. He is still here. It's not an empty box. In all our preparation, let's make sure that we are preparing for God with us, not God visiting us. God wants his church, his community to be a place of habitation, not a place of visitation. God doesn't visit his presence on us anymore. He lives with us. And there are times, maybe moments in worship, maybe moments when you're reading the word of God, maybe moments in nature where you sense the presence of God in a particular way. That's just about feeling it and sensing him more than you do at other times. It is not the reality of whether he's there or not. I know I'm laboring this point, but some of you, some of us need to hear it. And some of us, as we head into the next season, need to remember it. For those of you online, remember this. Whether you feel the presence of God or not does not negate his very presence with you. So let me ask us all, where is God with you? He's not just with us in church, although I do believe this is a place where we can possibly sense him more as we're together and we worship together and we open our hearts together. But let me declare, he is with you in your success. He is with you in your failure He is with you in your celebration. He is with you in your sorrow and grief. He is with you in the promised land and in the wilderness. How do I know that? Because Psalm 23 says, He is our comfort in the valley of the shadow of death. He is the restorer of my soul. He he leads us into the good places, the places where we feed, where we're sustained. But he also leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He prepares a table where? When things are good? No, no. When it's the most dangerous. It is absolute stupidity to sit down and eat your Yorkshire puddings when the enemy is running at you. He prepares a table. In the presence of my enemies. Where is God? He is Emmanuel. God with us. I pray. That not just at Christmas. But especially at Christmas. We can echo. John Wesley who was one of the great evangelists. Great preachers. In fact, he changed the face of Great Britain. There are many people who say that if it hadn't been for John Wesley, England would have looked more like France. Dear Lord, no. 
March the 2nd, 1791, John Wesley opened his eyes and exclaimed for the very last time upon his deathbed these words. The best of all is this. God is with us. Did you hear that? God is with us. You see, it doesn't matter whether I whisper it or whether I shout it. The reality are my words are the same. The truth is the same. God is with us. The song that we're going to sing as a closing song. We sang it last week and we're going to sing it next week. It's the theme of this Advent for us. A new hope, yes, but as it is. It's not about being confined and being conditioned by our circumstances. See, we are citizens of heaven and can respond to our circumstances in a heavenly way. Our worship is not conditioned by the health of our bodies, but by who we worship. Our worship is not in response to our favorite hymn or song. We are not responding to our favorite style of music, but we are responding to Emmanuel, God with us. We are not responding to the situation of the world around us, but to the presence of the King on earth as it is in heaven. See, God hasn't come for a visitation at Christmas. He's come for a habitation in his church. We prepare for Emmanuel, God with us. Preparation is what takes hope into faith. Faith is the substance, the reality, the actual what is literal of the things that we hope for. So what are we hoping for? As we hope, we are hoping for the presence of God, so we are preparing for the presence of God. Faith is the reality of our new hope. This is our challenge as we head towards the end of the year, this year that's been a, a huge year of change, or even a, a year of huge change for many of us, changes that we have been preparing for. But let's make sure that we are preparing for the presence, not the empty boxes. Dale, if you could come, it'd be great, thank you. I want to ask us, what do, we, what do we think our distinctives are as a church? We do great Sunday services. I love this atmosphere. We have an amazing welcome as people walk through our door and connect with each other. And we've got a great uh, greeters team and people that just help people get connected into community. Yep. Is that it? We have an incredible kids' church. Is that it? We have a beautiful community. Is that it? No. They are, they are not our distinctives. Because you can go to any other community, any other society, any other sports place, and you can experience some of these things. These are all overflows of what really distinguishes us. So what distinguishes us? Exodus 33, 15 to 16 says this. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go up with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. 
See, we can look great on the outside, and if you read through Revelation 2 and 3, you'll see churches that some of them looked great on the outside. They actually looked like these presents. But the only thing that will distinguish us from any other society, any other community, or any other sincere religion is not the packaging. It is the product, for want of a better thought. It is the presence of God. It is who we contain. God with us, Emmanuel, not alongside us. But we contain the very presence of God. Imagine a place that when people walk through our doors, they will begin to cry because of the presence of God. Imagine a place where the broken walk in, but begin to be made whole immediately, not when they experience worship, not when they hear the word of God, but immediately they walk through the doors and they sense something of the presence of God. They may not be able to articulate it, but they are made whole, not because of pastoral support, but by the presence of God. A place where people fall to their knees in worship because we become so overcome with the sense of who God is. Emmanuel. A place of Emmanuel. Are we preparing the way for his visit or for his presence? A place of visitation or a place of habitation? You see, in an insane world, it is the sanest choice. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you are with us. It doesn't get bigger than that doesn't get more complicated than that. You are with us. I pray for those that maybe don't even sense your presence at this moment in time. God, I pray that you will draw them to yourself. The loving embrace of a father. Pray for those that need to be reminded that we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. We walk by the promises of your word that you will never leave us or never forsake us. And we thank you for that. 